thank you, Father. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. And Lord, as we approach this Easter weekend, we know that sometimes things don't look like they're working out. But hallelujah, they're working out. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, be just present with us now. I know you've been here in the praise. I know you've been here in the worship. I know you've been here in the celebration. Be here now, Lord, in the ministry of word. Be here now, Lord, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit moving on hearts. And right there in our homes as people are viewing us, Lord, there. Lord, on, on the different, you know, applications that they can see. Each one, Father, you're there just like you're here. You're in the home just like you're in this house right there. You're in that living room just like you're in this living room. So there's no distance in time in the Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, have your way in many places today, but in every heart, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't it good to see Neil and Neralee today? <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. And how good is it to see Tracy Deal today? My goodness. And you too, David. You too. You too. Well, why don't you take your seat in joy and victory. How good to come together and not feel restricted. Amen. I mean, you know, in our hearts, let us never go there, but it's just so good today. And what a beautiful day. Wonderful. Man Church this Tuesday, it's going to be great. You know, we're talking about the power of open. And it just seemed like after 2020, it was such a year of closed. Just like closed. It just seemed like, how many remember, you know, walking by playground equipment with tape wrapped around it? Closed, you know. And, uh, but our theme this year is open. Open. Lord, our hearts are open. Our hands are open. Our homes are open. Our house is open. And we just want to keep that open. You compare that to the, I guess, the power of closed. Open is better. Open is better. And so we're talking about how that when we open our heart to Jesus, we have everlasting life. Is there anything on this planet that people would pay more for or value more than everlasting life, eternal life? And yet that's ours, the moment we open our heart to Jesus. And we've also been talking about opening the Bible, when we open God's Word. And when we will open the Bible to hear it, to obey it, now, not only do we have everlasting life when we die, when we pass, but we have overcoming life right now on this earth in the midst of whatever situation and circumstance I and you can live with the power of an open Bible in obedience. We can live in overcoming life. That's the power of open. Everlasting comes. Overcoming comes. And so we're talking about an open Bible. I just believe in the last days, and I believe we are in the last days. If not, we're certainly in the most last days that any Christian's ever lived in. And I just believe that in the last days, we need to have a revival of the Bible. We need a Bible revival so we know how to think. We know how to stand. There are so many opposite thoughts coming to us every day, media and social media and things that sound strange and different from how life was a few years ago. How do we know? How do we know what's right? How do we know what's true? How do we know? Has, has the gospel progressed now into something else? No, this is the scriptures that we base our life on. This is the scriptures we raise our children on. This is the scriptures, this is a hill we die on. 
the word of God. And so we cannot be illiterate in these last days. We must know the scriptures and obey the scriptures. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God. Inspired means breathed on. It's the breath, the breath of God. It's like, it's like when I open my Bible, there, his breath, I can almost sense his breath. So the scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is right, what is true. Your Bible is useful to teach you what's true. In a day and age when facts are everywhere, every person has their own facts, we need to know what's true. And your Bible, your Bible is te teaches you what is true. And it makes you realize what's wrong in your life. Lord, what's wrong in my life? What's wrong in my marriage? What's wrong in my attitude? What's wrong with my thoughts that I'm thinking right now? The Bible teaches you what's wrong with your life. And then it says, it corrects us, uh, or it, it, it teaches us what's true. It makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. Isn't that a safe haven to know that there's correction for when I'm wrong? No, that's not right. Oh, I, I got that wrong. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to be, I don't want to get, I don't want to be right. I, I, I want to I get it right. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't have to be right, but I want to get right. Yeah. And, the, and the scriptures help us to do that. Corrects us when we're wrong. Teaches us to do what is right. And then watch this. God uses your Bible to prepare and equip you for every good work. How many think if all of that's true, this open Bible needs to have a priority in your life. It needs to have a place in your life that is like at least as important as many other things in our life. I'm talking about a Bible revival. And so we're talking about the power of an open Bible and an open ear to hear what it says. Now, last time I shared with you uh, two weeks ago, I shared with you what happens when we open our Bible. And the first thing that we talked about is it three, three things when you open your Bible or your Bible app, it's all good. Three things happen when you open your Bible, we said last time. The first is this, faith comes. We read in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you will open your Bible and open your ears to obey the Bible, faith will come. And what's so powerful about this is that we understand that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. How do we overcome the world? Faith. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing the word of God. So when your heart is open to everything he's spoken, faith comes. Faith comes. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We read 1 John 5, 4 that says every child of God is able to defeat the world. I love that. I love the inclusiveness of that. Every child of God is able to overcome the world. And we win the victory. Come on, every day there's a victory to be won. We win the victory over the world by means of our faith. And faith comes when I open my Bible and I open my ears. So we're talking about the power of open. We're talking about what happens when we open our Bible. We also said last time that, that when we open our Bible, light, light comes. 
light. And, and Psalms 119 and verse 130, the entrance of your words bring light. Light comes. Sight and insight for what's right comes when I open my Bible. I'm not going to learn what's right. I'm not going to learn insight and what's right by something I watch on television. I'm going to learn it by opening my Bible. In Psalm 119 and verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So an open Bible illuminates my life, helps me to see, keeps me from walking in darkness. You ever do that? How many, maybe young people don't do this, but older people get up in the middle of the night. And you try to memorize where you're going because it's dark. You want it dark so you can sleep. And you don't want to wake up anybody at all. I asked my grandfather one time why he woke up grouchy. He said, I didn't wake up grouchy. I let her sleep. <laughs> that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. It just reminded me of something my grandpa said years, 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 years ago. But light, light comes. And, and if, you, if you walk in darkness, there have been that many times I have hit my toe on something because I was walking in darkness. Now, how can we apply that to, to real life? Not just the middle of the night. Amen? The third thing we, we said is that we saw that when we open our Bible, there's a cleansing that comes. How many reckon every now and then you need a cleansing? You know, like maybe every day? Maybe. Maybe a bath. Maybe a shower. Somebody said, I take a shower every Saturday whether I need it or not. No, you need it. You need it. And so we need a cleansing. We need, and, and just like my body needs a cleansing, there's a cleansing that comes when I open my Bible. In John chapter 5 and verse 3, Jesus said, Now you are clean, watch this, through the word which I have spoken to you. Through the word. When we open our Bible, there is a washing and a cleansing and a refreshing and almost, as it were, a showering that comes Ephesians 5, verse 25 and 26, Christ loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now, we know the blood of Jesus washes away our sin, but it's almost like the word of Jesus washes away the world. It just, you know, I walk in the world, my feet are in the world, but I open my Bible and there's a washing and a cleansing. So we saw faith comes. Light comes. Cleansing comes. But today, man, I want to show you something so, so needed, so powerful for you and me as we negotiate life and singleness or marriage. Whether We negotiate prosperity or struggling. As we negotiate health or, or, or sickness. As we negotiate through life, what we really need in our life is wisdom. And I want to show you today how that wisdom comes. When we open our Bible. And so the key text is Psalm 119 and verse 98. I love this psalm. And uh, I memorized this years ago through the King James Version. It said, Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies. You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. My enemies. Your word makes me wiser than my enemies. When I open the word, wisdom comes. There is a wisdom in the word. There is a wisdom in his words. 
we read in Colossians 3.16. It says, let the word of Christ, watch this now, dwell in you in all wisdom. Wisdom. There is a wisdom here. And so the indwelling word of Christ will make you wiser than any enemy and every adversary. It will make you wiser than any enemy and every adversary. Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. The Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now, there's knowledge and there's wisdom. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is our biblical aptitude. It's what we know. Knowledge is our biblical aptitude. Wisdom is our biblical application. You can have a biblical aptitude but not be walking in wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what I know. We know a lot, but even what we know can puff us up. It can make us proud. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm walking in victory. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what I know. Wisdom is information application. Knowledge is about like right now. Wisdom thinks beyond now. Well, this is what I know. Yes, but, but where is wisdom in what you know? See, wisdom makes decisions that bring desirable outcomes. I love Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer's like mama to me. And Joyce says this about wisdom. I've quoted this before, but I just love her definition. Joyce Meyer says, wisdom is doing now what you're going to be happy with later on. And we see this. When Jesus teaches us the parable of the ten virgins, he says five of them were wise. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. Five of them were foolish. And we can see such insight here for us today as we talk about wisdom. Who was wise and who was foolish? You see, they all had the same information, but they had a different preparation and application they all knew they all they all had the same knowing but a different going they all went out to meet the bridegroom they all took oil in their lamps based on what they knew but only five took extra oil based on prudence and perception and a possibility that he just might be delayed. I mean, he just might come on his agenda, not mine. Now, in today's text, thou hast made me wiser than my enemy. Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemy. From, from today's text, the context of today's text is wisdom over your enemies, being wiser than your enemies. Not just wisdom for living, but wisdom for winning. Wisdom that gives you the advantage over your adversaries. 
Now, the Bible teaches us, and I'm going to talk more and more in the future about your enemies. But generally speaking, the Bible teaches us that there are three major enemies that every follower of Christ will encounter from time to time, often. Three major enemies. Now, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. So here are the three common major enemies that every follower of Christ is going to encounter and engage. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Three big bad boys right there. The world, the flesh, and the devil. These are real enemies that we face on a regular basis as I set my heart to be a totally committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world, the flesh, the devil. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lusts of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. She who does the will of God abides forever. They that do the will of God will abide forever. So, three enemies. The world. Well, we see this here in 1 John as the lust of the eyes. The flesh. The lust of the flesh. The devil. The pride of life. Now, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted with these very temptations on the battlefield with these three enemies during those 40 days. And we see how that how God, through his commandments, made Jesus wiser than his enemies. And I want to show this to you in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3. So now, and by the way, this takes place. If those, those of you who are here today, I see there's a few of you here today that were in Israel with us a couple years ago. And if you remember when we went down to the Judean area there where John was baptizing. So you remember that little creek. It wasn't very big. And right across you could see Jordan. In that area, Jesus is baptized. And now for 40 days, he's going to walk through. Within a few kilometers from there, if you recall, there's Jericho and there's that wilderness area. So those that were there with us, picture it in your mind where this is all taking place. So... Now the tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. I mean, that's a good temptation, right? 40 days fasting. That's a pretty good one. I'd I'd rate that one like at least four-star temptation. 40 days, no food. So if you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written. Buddy, underline that. Mark that. If you're at home right now, mark that one because this is critical for us. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So here is the flesh, the temptation of the flesh, the yearning of the flesh, the longing of the flesh. Make your, turn these stones into bread. There's the, the, the battle of, for the flesh. But wisdom... Wisdom in that situation, how did God make Jesus wiser than his enemy? He did it through Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 made Jesus wiser than his enemy. And that's what he quotes. 
Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. I'm not dying here. I'm not dead yet. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That's what I'm here doing. By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And all of a sudden, thou through thy commandments made him wiser than his enemies. So then the devil takes him up into the holy city. Now we're in a city. And again, those who were with us on that trip, remember when we saw the stones that have been cast down and even the pinnacle stone is there, which is insane that you can actually look at the stone where this thing takes place. So the devil takes him now into the holy city, sets him on the pinnacle of the temple and says to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Get this, for it is written. I mean, like two can play that game, right? You can play that game. I can play that game. And so, for it is written, you know, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up. Least you dash your foot against a stone. Sounds like the devil's from Arkansas, doesn't it? I love this. Jesus says, it is written again. It is also written. That ain't all of it. Come on, how many know we got to be wiser than our enemy? And Jesus shows us here. He says, yeah, it's written again. It's written again. He says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So here's the temptation for the world. He's in the city. He's at the pinnacle. He's at the temple. And here's this temptation, you know. Plus, why not just throw in a scripture? You're going to be okay. You're gonna... Jesus says, it is written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So here's the enemy, the world, the city, the temple. But look at the wisdom that made Jesus wiser than his enemy. The wisdom that made Jesus wiser than his enemy is Deuteronomy 6.16. Can you believe that Deuteronomy 6.16 becomes the very means by which God made him wiser than his enemies? So again, the devil takes him up on an exceeding high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he says to them, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship, well, me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. I think he said, up your nose with a rubber hose. I, I mean, I, I, it sounds like he's, uh, I don't want to go too far, but it sounds like he's more than just saying bye-bye. I think he's saying Anyway, he says it, at least, at least it's written like this, <laughs> away with you, Satan. And I've got exclamation marks here in my Bible, so it may be. And then he says, for it is written, here it is again, how he's wiser than his enemy, because it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So thou through thy commandments, you through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies, the world. It is written. The flesh, it is written. The devil, it is written. How are you going to triumph over your three major enemies if you do not know what is written? How are you going to be wiser than the world and the flesh and the devil? If you do not know how to employ and apply what is written. What happens when we open our Bible? Wisdom comes. Proverbs 4, 5 says, get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget. 
Get it and don't forget it. It says get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. That's where wisdom comes from. It comes from the words of his mouth. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Whatever else you get, get in sight. The message says it this way. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Where is this on your list this morning? Move it to the top. Move it to the top. Let's see, read my Bible. Move it to the top. Listen to what it says. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. The Passion says it this way. Wisdom is the most valuable commodity. Buy it. Buy it. Revelation knowledge is what you need. So invest in it. Buy it. Invest in it. Put it at the top of your list. A Bible revival will bring understanding and knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs 16, 16. It is better, much better, to have wisdom and knowledge than gold and silver. Oh, somebody somebody got to help me with this. The Message Bible says, here's how it says this. Get wisdom. It's worth more than money. Choose insight over income every time. It's worth more than money. What's in here is worth more than money. It's worth more than money. How much time do we spend thinking about money? It's worth more than money. Choose insight over income every time. Open your Bible. Faith comes. Light comes. Cleansing comes. Wisdom comes. Man, Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure, and he's a shield to those who put their trust in him. Psalms 12, 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in the furnace of fire of the earth, purified seven times. Family, there is no other book for your life like this book. This is the book for your life. And every circumstance and situation in your life is in this book. I mean, just in the book of Proverbs alone. Just the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters. By the way, there's a hint for any kind of a daily Bible reading you might be interested in. 31, where have I heard that number before? Ah, days of the month, right. The first, Proverbs 1. The second, Proverbs 2. The fifth, Proverbs 5. Just in the book of Proverbs alone. Let me give you a small sample of the major topics of wisdom. Here's where you can get, now this is about a quarter of all that's available. Just want to show you from just one book in the Bible, the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, hint, 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 31 chapters. Thursday is the first. That might be a good day to start a 31-day wisdom quest. Just saying, the wisdom of the book of Proverbs by topic in alphabetical order. Here's what you can get wisdom on in those 31 chapters. Adultery, alcohol, Anger, blessings, children, correction, debt, 
envy, fear of the Lord, fools, what God hates, good and evil, happiness, health, hope, justice, laziness, the mouth, parents, poverty, pride, trials, trust, truth, truth and lies, a virtuous wife, the way of the Lord, wealth, and women. <laughs> when you open your Bible, wisdom comes. Without wisdom, what happens to our life? Craziness. Because craziness is all around us, and we're going to be sucked into its vortex. What happens? What happens without wisdom? Our lives quickly will descend into a despondency. Honestly, you just go some days without wisdom and watch what comes. Jealousy, envy, strife. Bitterness, selfish ambition, confusion, pride, and everything that can ruin relationships will come. But there is a healing. And listen to this. There is a humility in wisdom that's just made for relationships. A humility that can turn an upside-down life right-side up. A humility that can bring answers where you can't find any right now. There is a humility of wisdom that can bring order to disorder and calm to chaos. And so I'm going to read six verses to you and then I'm going to close. Except that I'm going to read these six verses two times. The first time I'm going to read these verses is for uh, knowledge's sake. It's for aptitude so that we can know what they say. I'm going to read these six verses so that we can know what they say. And that's our aptitude of these verses. And then I want to read them again for application. For application. So here we go. James chapter 3, verse 13. And I'll close. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works that the humility doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Can you believe it? Such things are the world, the flesh, and the devil. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you're going to find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace 
and reap a harvest of righteousness. All right. That's for your information. Now let's read it again for inspiration. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to breathe on it because what I'm going to ask you to do is think maybe right now of someone in your world where your relationship with them is strained or it's not right or something's out of kelter, something's out of order. Maybe it's at home, maybe it's at work. But I want you to consider this knowledge now, this uh, aptitude that you have of these six verses. And would you allow the Holy Spirit now to breathe so that there could be maybe an application to the situation that you're dealing with as you sit here this morning? So here we go. This time, this is not for information. Now it's for application. Go with me for these six verses and I'll finish. If you are wise, I want you to be thinking of where you could use this wisdom right now in some sort of a strange circumstance or situation. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Such things are the world, the flesh, and the devil. For wherever, wherever, there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving. And it's gentle at all times. And it's willing to yield to others. And it's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. And it's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Open your Bible. Let God's word make you wise. 